Welcome to In the Loop. In this episode, we talk to Paul Nazaro Sr. at the Eastern Energy Expo about the industry's transition to low-carbon liquid heating fuels and why bioheat is the logical choice right now. We'll also talk to Scott Fenwick with the Clean Fuels Alliance of America about advancements on the technical front in low-carbon liquid heating fuels and why the future is now with B100. In the Loop is brought to you by Nora. Nora was authorized by Congress in 2000 to provide funding that enables the liquid fuel heating industry to provide more efficient, more reliable, and lower carbon home heating and hot water to the American consumer. This podcast takes a deeper look at research initiatives, equipment considerations, renewable fuels, carbon reduction, and technical education, propelling us towards a low carbon future. For more information, visit noraweb.org. Well, we're here at Eastern Energy Expo. In the booth with me, I have Paul Nazaro Sr., who is president of the Nazaro Group, and he is the supply chain liaison to the Clean Fuels Alliance of America. Paul, welcome. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Obviously, one of the big topics this week is the net zero carbon home, and more importantly, what that represents as we transition to low-carbon heating fuel. And as you look at uh, your role, you've been a key leader in that, obviously, with your group and with the Clean Fuels Alliance of America. How is that transition, in effect, happening? Having stewarded it, I guess, if that's the right term, for the last 15 years specific to heating oil, many people tell me we've made a lot of progress. Uh, We're in the epicenter of home heating oil use here. New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New England, Mid-Atlantic, that's where the action is, 3.2 billion gallons of a 4 billion gallon marketplace. We pay attention to this area because it's concentrated, it's dense, and we can move the product in probably rateably and competitively. Uh, The challenges that we have right now is it's still a policy-driven fuel, and I think a lot of retailers, this is my perspective, Hmm. a lot of retailers seem to be waiting for the perfect opportunity to jump in, like when it's supposedly readily available, economically attractive, and the consumers are asking for it. So I can tell you this, it is economically attractive, it is readily available, and consumers aren't asking for it probably because the dealers aren't talking about it. My recommendation has always been and will continue to be that the dealer must tell that story directly to their consumer. We always talk about the fuel supplier being a trusted advisor of that homeowner. Yet they're reticent to talk about bioheat. Some say it's just not ready. It's not proven. There's not equipment to, you know, combust it or store it. But the truth of the matter is it's ready. I think it's a great example when you look at the Beckett's and Collins and uh, Energy Kinetics and these other organizations all creating equipment to do B100. Well, the equipment's here now. The supply can be here. You have to start a conversation to make this transition a reality today. You have to start a conversation with your suppliers. If you want to be a B20 jobber, B5, B10, you basically talk to the supplier and ask them, what's it going to take? How do we structure a deal to get me B5, 10, 15, or 20 on a rateable, competitive basis? And you have to have a conversation with the consumer. Bioheat affords the consumer energy diversity, freedom to make their own choice on what they're going to heat their home or provide hot water to their family with. It's going to give you operational superiority. It's predictable. It's cleaner. 
And, you know, at the end of the day, it's immediate carbon reductions today, which are going to have more value than waiting 10 years for some other, you know, opportunity to come along to reduce the carbon. So I guess what I'm saying is no better time than now to talk to a customer about the advantages of bioheat because they're plentiful. You do not have the same ability to have that discussion with basic heating oil. Heating oil is great. Bioheat's better. And, and it's because of those characteristics that I just mentioned here. What are you seeing among uh, members and states in terms of their transition to these low-carbon heating fuels? Are you seeing them embrace them? What I see is a lot of our state leaders working exhaustively seven days a week with policy people to try to let them understand why an electrification platform may not be the most intelligent choice. But I think the biggest struggle our state leaders has is getting you know, some individual on the other side of the table to listen to the bioheat story and to see how sensible it is. I mean, it is the most logical choice. If you have a liquid fuel in your tank now, which would be heating oil, ultra-low sulfur heating oil, why would you not go to bioheat? Like, why do I need to go to an electrification platform? I believe you have to have all these fuel sources. For us to have the appetite we have in this country, in, in New England, we need to basically have it all. But let's go with the one that makes the most sense right now. And the one that makes more sense right now is this thing called bioheat. It's not something that's a future technology. It's a present technology. <laughs> it's funny. I like to, I always remember where I am. And when you go into the barber shops of the old days, they always had popular mechanics. Remember those magazines? Yeah. And I'll never forget. You'd always see some real wacky innovation that's in the back of the magazine, like a little, you know, a little blurb. Well, I think a lot of people think that bioheat or biodiesel is a popular mechanics story. It's real time. It's not like then. This is something that's already happened. And I feel bad that the dealers that are just watching this parade go down Main Street are being left by the side. Maybe they don't want to learn about it. Maybe, you know, there's a lot of different factors here. I coined the phrase aging population syndrome. I'm one of them, but I'm a pretty progressive aging population guy. I believe in change and evolution. And I just would say to anybody listening to this podcast that if you are not working with BioHeat right now, it's a major missed opportunity. You need to get involved. And it should be no problem getting that help. Whether you go to your state energy leader, you can call us at Clean Fuels. We'd be more than happy to train your people for you. And there's not a fee associated with that. That's the interesting thing. People are willing to learn. We're willing to teach. And so there's absolutely no reason why you cannot adopt this fuel because of lack of education. What do you see really needs to happen to help accelerate that transition? They have to commit themselves to, talk, to talking to their customers. I guess in no specific order, but talking to the customers is very important. But you better be empowered with some information and education before you go talk to your customers because you don't want to come off as being misinformed. So acquire knowledge. And I'm telling you, it's readily available. And take the knowledge and package it in your own terms and conditions, meaning don't try to repeat what you heard at one of these sessions from some individual, even myself, using certain you know, terminology that may not be comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. Turn the message into your language. You know, Everybody has a way of conveying, but there is no better marketing plan than an honest discussion with a customer. You have to be honest with them and be confident that this BioHeat program is one that you guys look at as a sustainable product for our future. So what do you hope to see here at the conference this week that helps in this transition? It's always exciting when you come to these events. This is a lot of great information being shared. It's what you do with the information, Brian, and I don't know. It's like, I'd like to see people leave here and take action. Mm-hmm. And action starts with those things I'm telling you. Talk to your suppliers, get educated, and then get that message to the customer. And I think that's been one of the things that you've really 
championed over the years is helping lead people in that conversation. I don't want this few minutes to go by without giving credit where credit is due. And I think you know where I'm going to go with this. Sure. I think Clean Fuels Alliance America, formerly National Biodiesel Board, they have the most supportive members, partners that I've ever seen in my entire career. You know, personally, I'd call out someone like the Nebraska Soybean Board or Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota. These are states that have funded the bioheat movement exclusively for 15 years, millions and millions of dollars. And think about that. They're in the agricultural sector, right? Mm -hmm. And we're here on the eastern seaboard on the Atlantic Ocean right now. Yeah, New Jersey has soybeans, New York soybean growers, but they're not in Nebraska and Minnesota and Iowa, right? Well, why would they invest in helping the heating oil industry enjoy a renaissance? I always like, I asked Greg Anderson, who was one of the early adopters, and Victor Bolanowski, why are you doing this? And they told me straight up, when you flew some of your executives out here, Eric, John Maniscalco, Rocco Lasatosa, Michael Ferranti, etc., we didn't realize that heating oil was really family-based businesses, we thought we were dealing with Exxon and, Mo, you know, and, the, and the Nationals. I said, no. And they found a connection between what they do and what we do. We deliver oil. They plant and harvest beans to feed the world and now power the world and impacted by weather. They found a commonality. And their investment solely was predicated on that. Plus, it helped increase the value of their soybean oil. So it was a win for them. And they continue to this day. Nebraska is very committed to this program. We're doing some exciting things. And we got to get on this fuel because we will be competing for this fuel as a sustainable aviation fuel industry starts to develop. Mm -hmm. There's going to be an epic battle on feedstocks. And right now, we compete with the West Coast, as you know, on that LCFS program. Renewable diesel is going west because there's a strong net back for the suppliers. The rail industry is coming forward, demanding biodiesel to reduce their carbon footprint. Right. And then you have marine. Guess what? They want some, too. Right. The oil heat industry which I hope it will be the bioheat industry soon. If we just sit on our hands like we're doing in a lot of markets right now, they won't be product to have for us. So you gotta, you got to get in the game. Now is the time to get in the game. If I leave sure. no other messages, no more procrastination because there are other markets frothing at the mouth to get this product. Paul Nazar, you're always great insights and That's terrific fun. wisdom and certainly an enthusiasm and carrying the torch on BioHeat and the other things that you do with Clean Fuel. So thank you so thank much. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. As the liquid heating fuel industry rapidly moves towards lower carbon fuels, NORA and Clean Fuels Alliance America will be hosting a high blends infrastructure workshop on August 22nd in Old Greenwich, Connecticut. This workshop will be an end-to-end supply chain planning intensive to prepare fuel handlers at every touch point for the receipt, blending, storage, transport, marketing, and consumption of bioheat blends beyond B20. As the industry's commitment to low-carbon fuels attracts more biodiesel into the supply pool, it is critical that the chain of custody establish and standardize best practices for effectively moving high blends downstream to the consumer. If your business plays any role in the distribution and consumption of liquid heating fuels, you should join us for this important interactive event. Go to exploringbiodiesel.com for more information and to make your reservation. Now, back to the podcast. Next up, we speak to Scott Finwick, Technical Director of Clean Fuels Alliance America at the Eastern Energy Expo. Scott talks about decarbonization efforts underway in the industry and takes a special look at the future and why the future is now with B100. 
In the booth with me, I have Scott Fenwick, the technical director of Clean Fuels Alliance America. Glad to have you with us, Scott. How's the conference going for you so far? Absolutely fantastic. Great crowd. The sessions have been well attended. Mm-hmm. Uh, really pleased to see that. The trade show floor is, is overflowing. They've added booths more than they ever expected. And so walked through there yesterday. A lot of great conversations and great companies here. What are some of the standout things you're hearing at this conference and uh, that are being highlighted? I was honored yesterday to, to help present the, the keynote address yesterday, talking about moving towards low-carbon futures and the, the advancements that we've made on the technical side in, in working with NORA. The, uh, the cold flow properties conversation. The cold flow properties conversation, yeah. And, and we're really excited about introducing a brand new fuel additive, first of its kind, designed specifically for high biodiesel blends. And really the, the session that's wrapping up right now upstairs was really a full industry view from the production point of renewable fuels mm-hmm. through the work that Nora has done to approve and accept those equipment manufacturers uh, that now have B100 approved equipment through to the heating oil distribution system and and Hart Home Comfort. Yeah, I actually talked to many of those folks yesterday from Jackie Hart to uh, Kevin Beckett. Uh, Certainly we talked with Dr. Butcher and Michael before, Mike Devine and then I haven't had a chance to speak with him, but the gentleman from Chevron REG, they're on that panel as Jason well. Jason Lawrence, yep. A- absolutely. I mean, those are some of the leading forefathers mm-hmm. in this industry. I mean, they're each an expert in their own area, and, and their foresight is, is going to lead this industry to where it needs to be here in the near future. So let's talk a little bit about that. We've, that's kind of been a dominant theme at this particular expo, and that is that transition to low-carbon liquid heating fuels, which is a, a today thing. It's not a future thing. It's happening now. I mean, we're, we're right in the midst of it. We are. And, you know, and a lot of people think it may be a fad, a trend. This isn't one of those. This mm-hmm. is not going away. And if you look at a, take a step back and look at a more historical perspective, yes, policy changes with each administration or from state to state. It used to be that under the Obama administration, we talked about sustainability mm-hmm. uh, and, and green jobs. And that we had that arrow in our quiver. Administration before this, it changed and it morphs into domestic energy security and domestic jobs. Mm-hmm. That's great. We can talk about that as well. Now it's about climate change, mm-hmm. greenhouse gas reductions, decarbonization. We're at the leading edge of that as well. What we're really seeing, though, is, is changes in policy may come and go, but the effort now is being led by some of the largest corporations in the world mm-hmm. uh, in what they would call their ESG programs, mm-hmm. environmental, social, and governance programs towards decarbonization. Companies like Amazon and Nike and Walmart are, are forcing their shipping companies to reduce their carbon footprint. We're the lo- lowest cost solution for them today. And it's existing infrastructure. It's not infrastructure that has to change radically or uh, have a wholesale replacement of systems to move them into a different matrix, if you will, of fuel supply, Uh, moving from from traditional uh, liquid fuels to, you know, say, electric or electrification, which fundamentally is eliminating choice if if that takes the traction that you see many people wanting it to take. Well, and I think you raise a great point. 
there is no silver bullet solution, a one-size-fits-all. Mm-hmm. We think that we're a, a great solution available today. In fact, our, our tagline you know, previously had been, you know, better, cleaner, now. Uh, and, and we think that we can be a solution. Electrification will certainly play a part. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a role for that. And, and it is, can be a great solution in certain applications for mm-hmm. certain people. But in the heavy-duty segment or the rail and marine segment that are harder areas to decarbonize, like you said, they don't have to change their fueling infrastructure. There aren't any huge conversion technologies that are needed. It's what Microsoft would have referred to as plug and play. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. just begin to use it. Let's talk a little bit about the myths and dispelling the myths around uh, heating with low-carbon heating fuels and bioheat and biodiesel. Um, what are the the things, because I talked a little bit about that with retailers yesterday, because there's it's not so much barriers to entry as it is just more misunderstanding, um, I yeah. think, with folks, uh, whether it be inside the industry, technicians or folk, you know, in, individuals that have certain perceptions of product longstanding or newer perceptions. Uh, and then the same thing in terms of educating the consumer and policymakers. Um, what are some of those myths out there that you've encountered? They, they are numerous. And all you can really do is, is address them one point at a time. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, there are still service technicians that have been in this industry for decades. And they've seen a transition from high sulfur to, to low sulfur to now ultra-low sulfur fuels and now adding renewable fuels into the mix. Combustion technologies are quickly catching up, and it's it's a slower process than we would like uh, into helping to educate those folks. But what I would express to them is fuels all have issues. There isn't a fuel out there that is perfect and mm-hmm. doesn't have an issue. Renewable fuels aren't any different. There are things that are challenges, but that can still be overcome. I do believe that the benefits outweigh those challenges. And so some of the first challenges that we've encountered are, you mentioned coal flow. When mm-hmm. we talk about that, it was a big part of, of yesterday's conversation. Biodiesel does tend to gel at a higher temperature mm-hmm. than petroleum fuels, but it's manageable. Mm-hmm. In the same way that you would manage a really cold day with a ultra-low sulfur heating oil, there are fuel additives that treat that petroleum fraction. So if it's a B5 or B20, those traditional additives can still work. Right. There are heated fuel systems. There is blending with Caro uh, on really cold days. And that's those are solutions that the industry has dealt with for decades. Mm-hmm. And so they're known. Mm-hmm. What we introduced yesterday, yesterday is a new solution, a new fuel additive designed specifically for companies moving up and ramping up their efforts towards decarbonization and higher blends. So as they get closer to B100, I mean, whether you're at the B40, B50 range, things that help mitigate any issues from the coal flow side. Correct. Long-term stability is another one, mm-hmm. you know, that we hear about. Biofuels like biodiesel can't be stored as long. Our research shows that they can. And the change that the industry is needed is you can no longer just buy a fuel, petroleum fuel, drop it in your tank and forget it. Those days should have disappeared a couple decades ago. Even when we change from high sulfur and low sulfur to ultra low sulfur fuels, there are changes and precautions, best practices that now need to be taken in monitoring your fuel quality. First and foremost is keeping the fuel clean and dry. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm saying this is you know for fuels, 
it's not really specific to biodiesel blends, low blends or high blends. These should be precautions for all fuels. So they're best practices across the board. Correct. So um, cold flow, obviously the longevity, but those things that are myths or misunderstandings are also easily offset by many of the benefits. And we talked about that yesterday a little bit with Charlie Ugoletto. I mean, when you're talking about opening up a boiler and it's clean, um, are you seeing that obviously at the B100 level? Are you seeing it even lower? Yeah, it's it's an incremental benefit. Mm. And so certainly if you're if you're running B100, it is. It is an ultra clean fuel, partly because it is an oxygenated fuel, and that oxygen in that fuel helps during the combustion, lowers the emissions, which means less PM, particulate matter, less soot that builds up in the system. Mm-hmm. B50, you're still going to get half of those benefits. Uh, you're going to see that. B20 would be a fifth less okay. in that particulate matter. So, yeah, it's all incremental. And scalable relative to the percentage of the blend. Correct. Okay. From a technical education side of things, uh, both with what NOR is doing, what Clean Fuels is doing, uh, to keep not only the research, but also the communication of the research, and then the training at that level, what are the, some of the new initiatives coming down the pike that you're seeing uh, on the education side? Well, I think it's, it's no longer just going to be clean fuels you know, out in front. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a whole industry initiative behind us mm-hmm. based upon what's going on this week. And so collaboratively, you know, working with some of the leading distributors mm-hmm. uh, in the Northeast and mid-Atlantic states on their marketing uh, and educational efforts, working with the equipment manufacturer, again, two up on the panel right now in mm-hmm. R.W. Beckett uh, and Carlin, working with them to get their latest version of equipment approved for B100 mm-hmm. uh, will help and assist with their marketing efforts and, and advance that through social media, press releases, because this is a benefit that's not just for them and for the industry, but for the consumer as well because of those reduced emissions and those health benefits that we often don't really talk about enough. So as there are marketers and retailers uh, considering making this transition, uh, what are your words to them? My words, and it's been true all week long, is I don't want you to just take my word for it. You know, I want you to talk to others. Talk with your peers throughout the industry that are using it. Mm-hmm. See what they tell you. We're more than happy to share any industry data, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because mm-hmm. like I said, there isn't a perfect fuel, and mm-hmm. so we're happy to share our challenges, but also the solutions to help overcome those. And so I think as more people begin communicating throughout the industry, they're going to see that, just like we've been saying for a couple decades, the benefits outweigh those challenges, and that with today's legislative, regulatory pushes, social pushes, this is going to be their, their low-cost option towards decarbonization. And taking advantage of the fact that they can make the transition relatively easy. When you're talking about family-owned businesses that you know been in the family for three, four generations, they, they've seen transitions from, from coal to, mm-hmm. to high sulfur fuel, now to ultra-low sulfur fuels and renewable fuels, and we're, we're increasing those blends. The industry will continue to evolve mm-hmm. and change cleaner combustion technologies, cleaner fuel, better equipment. And so we're just saying, hey, 
keep looking at what's available. Mm-hmm. Keep looking at your options so that you're ahead of that curve. And this helps the industry stay viable for the long term. Really, the thing that I'm most impressed about this week is so many of the testimonials from retailers who's made the switch. They've seen good results from their storage, their delivery, uh, the technicians working with the product, and then ultimately satisfaction from the customer with relatively low pushback. Relatively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, Everybody's got a different story. They, they do. And it's, you know, what we've seen is it, it took over a decade worth of, of work and research yeah. to get people to try B2, mm-hmm. you know, and then B5. And, and Heart Home Comfort were relaying a story, you know, where they would, they just started, you know, deploying B2, you know, to their customers. They would call in and check every day. Okay. What complaints do we get? What are you hearing? Nothing. All right. Go to B5. You know, and then after B5 and still no complaints, all right, let's push to B20. Clean Fuels Alliance America has been around now for three decades, mm-hmm. formerly as the National Biodiesel Board. You know, we've been doing that research, doing those studies for three decades, and it's taken us a long time to get here. But what we're seeing is, while it took so long just to introduce it and get mm-hmm. to B2, B5, you know, to get to B20, even with the equipment manufacturers, was still a lengthy period. But now we're seeing people rapidly going and saying 20% isn't enough for my decarbonization efforts. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to 30, 40, 50%. Mm. And now with B100 equipment approvals, we're going to start seeing more and more B100, a truly 100% low carbon fuel out there in the marketplace, widespread here in the very near future. I guess as you look toward the future and as folks are making that transition and starting to use those blends and many Many aren't just starting. They've been doing it for over a decade. So it's not like it's brand new technology in any way. But as there is greater market adoption and there's acceleration toward making this transition, what do you think the, the future is going to look like for the heating fuel sector in this, in this way? That's a great question. Because in my role as technical director for the organization, we work to knock down any technical barriers that prevent higher volumes of biodiesel, renewable diesel, and more sustainable aviation fuels, but not just higher volumes, but higher concentrations across all market applications. While I think this industry, the heating oil industry, is moving towards B100 and their Providence resolution that they passed as an industry several years ago, Mm -hmm. they're going to be facing increasing competition for those fuels from other areas, the railroads and marine that are, again, facing their own challenges towards decarbonization. And so and they want those same feedstocks. They want those same feedstocks. They need those same fuels, as I mentioned, because it is, it's their lowest cost option as well towards decarbonization. So we're, we're providing a solution that's available to them now, mm-hmm. and the quicker that they can get on board provides them an inside track. Right. If they're already there and they have those established relationships with their suppliers, they're demonstrating the demand, the interest, they're equipped for providing it and have educated their customers. First and foremost, it creates customer choice. The, the customer has uh, options to choose as opposed to just one method uh, you know, being mandated. But aside from that, it, uh, it helps them diversify in terms of they are able to offer a variety of uh, to their customer. Uh, sure, you're going to have the traditional oil heat customer for, for quite some time. 
as, well, and that, again, that's a relative statement. You might have the traditional customer for quite some time. That bioheat fuel uh, may become the, the dominant one in a very accelerated time frame. Yeah, I think Chevron Renewable Energy Group upstairs just this morning put it great. It's all about commitment. Yeah. And, and it's a commitment not only from the customer and the heating oil distributor back to the renewable fuel supplier, but it's it's Chevron REG's commitment back to the industry as well is, hey, if you talk to us uh, about your needs, about your wants, how, you know, the, your gallons and, and your blends, we'll get it to you. You let us know what your commitment is, and we'll commit those gallons back to you. It's about a two-way commitment towards a better future. As this kind of this wave extends, uh, as it rolls out across states, as more and more people try it, like it, take it on, and the, uh, the transition uh, will accelerate. Yes. I think what the dialogue seems to be emerging definitely at this particular expo. Yeah. It's not just whispers in the hallway. It's right. not just in the corner. I mean, these are our main stage, and it's the main theme, mm-hmm. really, of the entire event is, is towards a low-carbon future. Well, from a technical standpoint, and as we wrap up here, I appreciate your time, first and foremost, and all Thank the you. leadership you all are doing with Clean Fuels and an excellent job of educating the industry. What would you say is uh, kind of a key takeaway from the education that's being happened here, whether it's the live fire demos outside or some session that's really resonating with attendees? I think everybody is going to have their own focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's important to you? And it may be cold weather operability. It may be health benefits. It may just be carbon reduction. Do your own research. Like I say, don't take my word for it. Don't take the word just from clean fuels. As you do move forward in those endeavors, whatever questions you have, we're here as a resource. Uh, we would encourage people to reach out to, to Nora as well. Like I say, they're, they're peers throughout the industry, no matter what segment they are, because this can't this can't be a push from one direction. Right. The entire industry has to move forward together, and, and they are, and quicker than than a lot of people may expect. That traditional oil heat uh, customer might look very different in one, two, three years. Yes. And it's happening that fast. So, uh, where can they go to get more information? I know mybioheat.com. Is that the... Mybioheat.com has a lot of information. Cleanfuels.org. Our trade association has a lot of great information on there mm-hmm. about cold weather operability, state programs, and such. Or you're free to contact and send an email to Clean Fuels, myself, Nora. Happy to help answer any questions that might arise. Thank you so much, Scott Fenwick, Technical Director for Clean Fuels Alliance of America. Appreciate your time and uh, insights as always. Thanks so much for all your hard work and uh, leadership. Thank you. Appreciate it. You've been listening to In the Loop with Nora. To learn more and stay up to date with Nora initiatives, visit norawebb.org.